All right. Commitment. We have many things that we are asked to be committed to in our lives. Perhaps as a young person, uh, you're asked to commit to your sports team. And uh, maybe it's to your band. And so you have to commit to practice and participate in games and performances. And maybe later on in life, there are commitments that are made to employers. You're expected to commit a certain amount of time to your employer in exchange for a wage. Then there's the commitment of marriage, which is sealed by a covenant. We make many commitments during our lifetime. In fact, in the next uh, they'll usually wait until after next Sunday, but then we'll be made, they'll be asking us to make commitments to a healthier lifestyle, right? The, uh, and so we'll, we'll be committed to some diet uh, in some form or another or exercise and subsequent exercise equipment that for a commitment of only certain so many payments you can have in your home. To hang your clothes on. I mean, to uh, to exercise on. Commitments. The Apostle Paul uh, dedicated his life to serving Christ by committing himself to the cause of the gospel. Now, we're in the book of Titus, and we're in the concluding verses this week. But as we conclude, we have some very concrete applications of what it looks like Uh, to be committed to the cause of Christ that was begun by Paul. When Paul introduced himself, he introduced himself as one committed to the cause of Christ by uh, serving the people of faith. And so I want us to look at verses 1 through 3 of chapter 1 before we go to the end of the book. We read there, it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching, which with with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our savior. We began studying Titus. With Paul's introduction, and we ask this question, what's your cause? You need to be committed to the cause of the gospel by doing your part. And we can make several observations about the cause of the gospel in the conclusion of the letter. But as we do this, I want you to ask yourself, am I committed to the cause of the gospel? And if so, then you need to do your part in the cause of the gospel. And to help evaluate that, I've given you four questions uh, that correspond with the four verses that we're going to look at today. First of all, we see in Titus 3.12, we're going to answer the question, are you self-focused or Christ-focused? Self-focused or Christ-focused? Because Paul was committed to the gospel, but so was Titus. And so Paul gives some commands here to Titus in verse 12. He says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. The cause of the gospel is not self-focused. Jesus is the one who is to be exalted. 
first of all, from this verse, I want you to see that you must be flexible. You must be flexible. Notice he says they're Artemis or Tychicus. Well, it's like, which one? Which one are you sending? Who's going to show up at my door, Paul? Well, it's either going to be Artemis or Tychicus. And, and you say, well, Titus is kind of in a bind. Well, think about, think about Artemis or Tychicus. It's like, which one of you is going to sail to the island of Crete? Well, we don't know yet. The plans were still not solidified. And if you are a person who likes to be in control or to know all the details ahead of time, serving Jesus is going to be a challenge. When Jesus is the one in control, you have to be flexible. Proverbs tells us, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. The cause of the gospel is not self-focused. You must be flexible. Then the next thing that we can note from this verse is you must be replaceable. You must be replaceable. Paul is sending these guys to replace Titus. Ministries must be built upon Christ, not personalities. There's a reason why I don't want my name to be on church signs, or I've even seen ministries that have the pastor's name on the church vans. Faith Baptist Church must be about Jesus and his gospel. Don't ever name a building after me. I don't want a plaque put up. I'm replaceable. Nicholas Zinzendorf. (laughs) It's a great name, right? He was a wealthy man, a count, actually, who committed himself to the gospel. And he said this, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. That's my desire. I hope it's your desire, too. Now, now having said that, my flesh likes accolades. I like compliments. I like to be known when I was Playing sports, I wanted to be the best at it and that type of thing. But when it comes to the gospel, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so we need to be replaceable. Whether serving as a pastor or a deacon, a committee member, a teacher or a janitor, you must never think of yourself as irreplaceable. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus doesn't need us. But he graciously allows us to participate in the building of his, not our, church. So knowing that you are replaceable, spend time discipling the next generation. Prepare your replacement. Be expendable. And then another thing that we get from uh, being not self-focused, but Christ-focused, is that you must be directable. Titus serves Jesus Christ by serving at Paul's discretion. You must be directable. I remember uh, back in high school, uh, so high school teachers take hope. Sometimes your students do remember things. I remember my history teacher was talking about how he used to be the head of the teachers' union in the area in which we were. And he said, but I gave that up when I realized 
that getting volunteers to work together is like shoveling sand with a pitchfork. <laughs> Man, that's a great, that's a great illustration, right? Shoveling sand with a pitchfork. It's just difficult. Getting volunteers to work together is like shoveling sand with a pitchfork. And I know that there are people who say they're here to help, but when they start serving, they want to start controlling how things are done. And I remember one instance, and this is back when we had the school. None of these people are here anymore, and I'm not going to mention their names anyway, but I feel safe to use this illustration. There was a there was a time before school began. We were we were cleaning up a room to be used as a teacher's lounge. And we had one of our teachers that was kind of heading that up. And then we had another teacher that came along to help. And when she got there, her way of helping was to take charge. That's not serving. That's leading. And when you're not the person in charge, it causes problems and frustrations. Jesus told us in Matthew 20, verse 26, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when you're helping in a group of people, now sometimes the Lord will lay it upon your heart to do something here at the church. And if so, you're the director, you're the leader, you're the one in charge, that's fine. Okay? But when you're coming here to help someone else, and you're in a group, whenever, whenever there's a group of people and you've come to help, number one, identify the person in charge of the project. Identify the person who's in charge of the project. Number two, submit to doing what they say the way they say they want it done. Okay, so submit to doing what they say the way they say they want it done. Number three, understand you can offer suggestions, but ultimately do what you're asked to do. You can offer suggestions, but do what you're asked to do. And number four, have a good attitude. Have a good attitude. You need to do your part in the cause of the gospel. And part of that is, is you need to be directable. You need to be able to serve others and to serve at others' direction. So the cause of the gospel is not self-focused. So are you self-focused or Christ-focused? Jesus is the one that needs to be exalted by your life. Next question. Are you cooperating in supporting missions? I want you to see that the cause of the gospel requires cooperation. Now, a little caveat before we read this verse. The way they were doing missions in the New Testament it's not the way we do missions here at Faith Baptist Church. Things have changed over the years. Look, things have changed just in church services since I've been here, right? Pastor Tad talked about how you can give to missions and that you can give online. You can text a number. When I moved here 16 years ago, I got my first mobile phone. Didn't have texting. Or if I did, it cost me 10 cents a text. I don't know. You can ask my kids about that. They have a... a you know, a bemoaning story about when we used to limit their texts. But things change over time. So the way we support missions changes. Okay. But it requires cooperation. Look at Titus 3.13. Paul instructs Titus there. He says, do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. 
see that they lack nothing. Zenos and Apollos were probably laboring for the sake of the gospel. In fact, they're probably the ones that brought the letter to Titus. And uh, they were going to be heading to do gospel work somewhere else. There are a few things that we can note from this verse. Number one, the gospel cause is a team effort. It's bigger than one local church. In other words, churches get together and support. Like if you came to Pastor Tad and I today and you said, boy, I feel like the Lord wants me to enter missions and I need to be a mission missionary in uh, Germany. Our church can't support you by ourselves. We're going to have to get cooperation from other churches and from other people to help support you to to get across the the ocean to Germany. Okay, and so they had the same difficulties in the early church, and so their their thing was to support missionaries from town from town to town as they went on their way. The gospel cause is a team effort. In Third John verses five through eight, uh, John commends the church that he's writing to about how they helped out people who were on point for the gospel, even though they were strangers to them. Right. As Pastor Tad went through the missionaries that we support, some of you were here when we took these missionaries on and you know them and you would consider them friends and, and, and love them. Others of you are seeing them for the first time and you don't know who they are. They're strangers. So when we see that word pop up, understand that's similar to what John is writing to the church about. He said in third John, verse five, he says, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name Accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. The gospel cause is a team effort. And gospel workers are to be funded by Christians. Paul gave the command to Titus, probably to engage the church in support. Uh, But they are to support missionaries. And the way we're currently doing that as a church is that missionaries come and they present their ministry here. We pray about whether we should support them. We vote on them as a church. And then what you do is you say, okay, I'm giving my tithes and offerings to the church. An additional offering on top of that I want to give to missions. We call that faith promise giving. has different names in different churches, but that's what we call it here. It's our missions giving. And you say... In addition to my regular giving to the church, I'm going to give a certain amount more per month or per year to missions. And then we take that money and we give it to the missionaries to support them. And they go around to different churches and they get support that way. Gospel workers are to be funded by Christians. And then gospel workers should not lack support. Paul says here, see that they lack nothing. When John was writing to the church, he says, send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. And so as we support missionaries, we need to support them fully. And a few years ago, we made the commitment to start supporting new missionaries at a larger amount. And then to hopefully bring the support level up on existing missionaries. We want to... 
they have cost increases and we want to be able to help them. Now, certainly our missionaries need prayer and you can be involved in missions through prayer, but they also have practical needs. Are you cooperating in the support of missions? The cause of the gospel is cooperative. Next question that we get from verse 14. Are you devoted to good works? Paul writes to Titus as a as a pastor and says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. The cause of the gospel results in good works. And as I've said before, if you look through the gospel of Titus and underline all the times the word good works is used, you'll see that it's a a big emphasis. We're not saved by our good works, but God saves us to do good works. Dedication to Christ's purpose is a learned thing. In other words, we're not born again and then just suddenly we get it. We have to learn. In Titus 2.14, Paul writes and says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. His purpose in saving us is to do good works. We see the same thing in Ephesians 2.8-10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God desires for you, Christian, to do good works. Getting your pastor a cup of water when he keeps coughing during the sermon. Thank you, Barry. Dedication to Christ's purpose is learned. It takes practice. Guess what? It takes reminders. I don't know about you, but uh, my children needed constant reminders. And if we go back in time, my parents would say the same thing. (laughs) We need to be reminded sometimes that we are to be doing good works. You need to be not only doing good works, but be devoted to it. It needs to be at the forefront of your mind. When God saves us, we, we, we come out of a life of just being selfish and thinking about ourselves. And we have to turn and learn the practice of thinking about others first. You need to be devoted to doing good works. Note the fruitful life is full of good works which meet urgent needs. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent needs. You need to do your part in the cause of the gospel. Now, what are some gospel-related good works? Well, we would say that Titus was doing a good work as a pastor-slash-missionary here. And there is a great need for pastors in our day. Pastors are leaving the ministry at a large clip. Some have disqualified themselves. Some are exhausted after going through the COVID pandemic and the election and different things like that. But there is a great need for pastors. Perhaps God is working in your heart to consider a pastorate. And that's a good thing. Now, there are some qualifications that you need to meet. And the church needs to observe those. Okay, And and the church needs to see those gifts in you. 
and approve of it. But if you are interested in being a pastor or think that God may be working along those lines in your life, please let Pastor Tad or myself know. And we can help you on that journey. Meeting urgent needs like disaster aid is another good work that you can be doing. There was a famine in Jerusalem early on in the church. And in Roman, uh, or in the book of Acts, we're told that, that the church at Antioch decided they wanted to take up an offering and send it to Jerusalem. And so Paul, as he went out, he thought this is a great idea, a great way for Jews and Gentiles to realize they're one in Christ. And so all the churches that he visited, he asked them to give, to cooperate in giving to this urgent need because there was a famine in Jerusalem and the saints were very poor there. So in Romans 15, verse 25, he says, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. And then writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 16, 1, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collection when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. So he's collecting from different churches aid to help in a disaster. Good works includes disaster aid. Uh, Back when the hurricane hit Rockport, our church was very active in collecting items and taking them up to Rockport and then doing work while we were at Rockport. It was a good work that was done at that time. Meeting urgent needs like disaster aid. But we also see that meeting the needs of the poor is a good work. Uh, Meeting needs in local families in different situations. In Acts 9.36, we're told about a widow uh, who made quilts. For other widows, it says in Acts 936. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Now, if I'm her, I'd say just call me Tabitha. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And and then Peter comes along and he's going to resurrect her. But what I want you to notice is that when she's. When she's on her deathbed, all the widows in verse 39, all the widows stood beside Peter weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. She took the resources she had and she helped other people. You can meet other people's needs and you can help. You need to pay attention. You need to have your antennas up. When you're around other people and notice when they mention things. Well, we had we had one lady that was she's since passed on uh, just all the time paying attention. I remember I was talking to her back when my dad was passing away. Uh, the church uh, allowed me to spend uh, some time each quarter uh, to 
to go and visit my dad. And But one of the times, I had to change my airplane ticket. And she was asking me how things were going. I said, oh, we're doing fine. But, you know, we had to, we had to change our, our flight inf- uh, information this one time when the whole family had went up there. And, and, and she said, Pastor, any time I've ever had to change my flight, there's been a charge associated with that. She said, did you have to pay an extra charge? I said, well, yeah, we did. She wrote out a check and gave it to us. What a blessing. What a blessing. You can be a blessing to others by helping them pay attention. Pay attention to the people around you. Make it a point to be watchful for people who have needs in your community and try to meet them. They don't have to be Christians even. You can help others. When you find, about, when you find out about a need, ask the Lord, Hey, Lord, how can I help in this situation? How can I help? Good works. We are to be a people of good works. It's a fruitful life, a life of good works, but don't waste your life being unfruitful. Don't waste your life being unfruitful. Life is full of distractions. Life is full of things that are not sinful in and of themselves, but yet when they keep you from doing your part in the cause of the gospel, they are sinful for you. An unbalanced life will not be a spiritually fruitful life. Now, I'm going to set this cup down. So stay with me. But I want to tell you about a fellow named Charles Thomas Studd. Now, what a great name if he was playing football, right? C.T. Studd. In the late 1800s, though, he played cricket. Now, I don't know much about cricket. It's a a sport I'm unfamiliar with, okay? But he was apparently very good at it and was excelling at it. And I want to read to you from his uh, Wikipedia page. It says that C.T. Studd gained fame as a cricketer. By the time he was 16, he had started to excel at cricket and at 19 was captain of his team at Eton College. In 1884, after his brother George was taken seriously ill, Charles was confronted by the question, what is all the fame and flattery worth when a man comes to face eternity? He had to admit that since his conversion six years earlier, he had been in an unhappy backslidden state. As a result of the experience, he said, I know that cricket would not last and honor would not last and nothing in this world would last. But it was worthwhile living for the world to come. C.T. Studd became a missionary to China. And from a poem, he wrote this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You need to do your part for the cause of the gospel. And there are a lot of things you can invest yourself in that won't amount to a hill of beans. They are important to the world. They may be important in your own life. And I just say to you, have balance with those things. Have balance with those things. Sports and extracurricular activities and for adults, hobbies and different things like this. These are good things. But they can become unbalanced when they consume our time and our resources. You've got one life 
to live for the Lord. And when it's gone, it's gone. We, we can't spend yesterday's time today. Yesterday's done. We've got today. We're not promised tomorrow. What are you doing for the cause of the gospel? Are you doing good works? Are you devoted to good works? Don't waste your life being unfruitful. And then finally, I want you to see that the cause of the gospel builds relationships. The cause of the gospel builds relationships. Look at verse 15. Paul writes, All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. When you serve Jesus together, relationships are built. When you serve Jesus together, relationships are built. Mark 10, 28. And this is, this is after a, a young man had came and, 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 and he, was, he was rich and he didn't want to leave his riches and follow Christ. And Peter says to Jesus, See, we've, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last first. Don't ever think that you're going to lose your kids if you follow Jesus. Don't ever concern yourself that you're going to lose your family to follow Jesus. When the people of Israel were on the cusp of entering into the promised land, they pulled back and they said, oh, no, we're worried about our children. And the Lord says, you'll die in the wilderness And it'll be your children who inherit the promised land. Don't worry about leaving family behind to follow Jesus. He'll give you mothers. He'll give you brothers. He'll give you grandparents. He'll give you people who are closer to you than your own family, your own flesh and blood, if you follow Him. When you work together in the gospel, you build significant relationships. And I would ask you this morning, are you building significant Christian relationships? You need them. These dinner for sixes help, but you've got to be active in getting to know other Christians and to be discipled and to disciple others. Work together in the cause of the gospel. And as you do, you will build relationships that will last For eternity, the cause of the gospel builds relationships. Now, one other question to ask, have you believed the gospel? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior. We've talked a lot about the cause of the gospel. We've talked a lot about good works. Good works don't get you to heaven. Only Jesus can get you to heaven. You have to repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you've not done that, then I urge you today, throw yourself upon the mercy of God and ask Him to forgive you because of what Jesus Christ did for you. And then follow Jesus with your life. 
But for the Christians here this morning, these are reminders. These are things that we need to learn. You need to live your life for the cause of the gospel under the guidance of your God given authorities by guarding the gospel and growing together in godliness with good works. You need to do your part in the cause of the gospel. And so the question comes, are you committed to the cause of the gospel? Are you self-focused or Christ-focused? Are you cooperating in the support of missions? Are you devoted to doing good works? Are you building significant Christian relationships? Beloved, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You need to do your part in the cause of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, Thank you for Jesus Christ and his example of giving all for us. And then, Father, thank you for the example of Paul and of Titus that we find here in the scriptures and of Tabitha in the book of Acts. All these examples of people who were committed and devoted to the cause of the gospel by doing good works, by being Uh, pastors being invested in other people's lives by giving to help people who are in need because of disasters. Father, I pray may we here at Faith Baptist Church be a people of good works. Father, I entrust these people to you and how you have worked in their hearts today. I pray that you will linger with them the thoughts of this message and the dedication that we need to have to good works in our own lives. And I pray that we will impact this valley and the world with the gospel through your work through us here. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.